All right, let's pray. Father, we can relate with uh, the psalmist in that we have had people that have tried to make that claim to us that there is no help in you and that we should find our refuge and our deliverance in some other place. But Lord, we have found you to be faithful and we have seen you lift our head and so we pray that you would do that once again, uh, even today as we reflect on um, sometimes trouble that comes into life because of uh, circumstances outside of us. Other times it happens because of things that we have caused and yet through it all you are faithful. We can count on that. And Lord, we pray for this time that we would think carefully about how to um, engage uh, with you in the process of decision making. Help us as we think through this example to, to think your thoughts after you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we've, we've gone through the first chapters of Ecclesiastes to see the meaning and significance of all of life as it's ordered by a purposeful and an eternal God. And then we took a big picture of God's work throughout history that He is working to, to uh, create people uh, who will honor Him. And, and He's doing that by calling them out of a world of sin calling them to a life of holiness. So here's what we know for sure about God and what He's doing. And that is that God is making us holy. God is working to make us holy. And uh, we want to be complicit in that process that the Spirit is doing within us. Um, in week four, we laid the groundwork. Um, or after laying the groundwork, we were ready to start thinking about the decision-making process. And so last week, we, um, we looked at Christian ethics and true wisdom. And uh, so what we want to do now is take the principles that we've looked at the first six weeks and, and now bring them down to a very tangible level. We want to, to apply them to an example. Um, one decision that everyone has to make is what kind of work they will do, what kind of career will they pursue? And so we want to think about these ideas of providence and redemption and sanctification, ethics, wisdom. Uh, how does that all play into a decision-making process when it comes to choosing a job? And um, so obviously um, you may not be at that point in your life right now. You may be long past that. But what I hope uh, you will see is that as you are working through this process, then um, it will help you to, uh, to think about how to make decisions in other areas. So before I start into the material for today, um, there is uh, an insert in your handout, and this is the, the document that I alluded to last week and just helpful, helpful for making discerning choices. We're not going to go through it, but um, I found uh, John MacArthur's study uh, to be really helpful on this and, and drew a lot of my understanding from, from him. All right, so let me just kind of review where we've been. Uh, Four-step process when we're, when we're going to make a decision. First, pray. Second, search the Scriptures. 
third. Seek wise counsel. And then and then we need to make a choice. So let's um let's uh start here this first one in just a second, but let me um say a few more things about work before we, we get into it. Uh, work is is important to us, uh, especially in our society. We, uh, unlike other societies in the world, or some other societies in the world, and most societies throughout history, um, we actually have the choice of what kind of work we're going to do. And we often tie our identity to our jobs, and and that's obviously can be dangerous. Um, in fact, the reason we I know that we tie our identity to our jobs because one of the first things that we ask, ask when we meet someone new is, what do you do? And sometimes we do it in order to, you know, show that I'm up higher on the level uh, of work and, and identity and purpose than you are, obviously wrongly so, um, higher social pecking order. Um, but we identify ourselves with our jobs. Um, Many people also see their jobs as a ticket to enjoying life. You know, they're, they're plotting and planning how they can climb up the corporate ladder, advance themselves, get what they want, accumulate what they want. Maybe it's about power. Maybe it's about money. We'll talk about some of that later. Um, but so that they can rise and get what they want. So it's kind of like uh, um, a way to fulfill their desires, their personal desires. Others can see jobs as idols or turn their jobs into idols. Any one of us can do this. In fact, that we pour all of our time and energy into our jobs instead of us um, using our jobs as a means by which we will accomplish God's purposes, our jobs own us, right? They, they, they own us because we have basically given ourselves to them completely to the exclusion of our other responsibilities and other parts of life. We'll talk about that a little bit more as well. Um, so what should we make of all this how can we biblically lay aside some of these unwise ideas about jobs and and even sinful patterns when it comes to our jobs and and then make decisions that are in keeping with God's will because that's what we're seeking to do right we're seeking God's will in our job and so um, we established last week this four-step program, pray, search the scriptures, seek wisdom, seek wise counsel, and then act. So let's go through these and, um, and see how it applies to a person who's in a position where they're ready to choose a job. So first, we start by praying. Uh, wisdom comes to those who humble themselves before God, right? Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he, he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Right? First um, Thessalonians 5.17 says that in everything by prayer and supplications make your request known unto God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. So, obviously, when we come to a decision about a job, which one should I take, there's a lot of anxiety that can arise because of that. And, and what Paul is saying there in Philippians is, don't be anxious about that. Instead, make your request known to God. Um, 
in, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so, we begin with prayer. So, so instead of thinking these of these like a checklist, like, okay, I got number one done, I prayed, so now I'm done, I'm just, I'm done with that. Instead of thinking of it like that, we should think about these things uh, as, especially this first one, as something that permeates every other step of the process. Right? If, if we're supposed to be praying in everything, then certainly we don't just pray and then say, okay, God, I've asked, now I'm going to do these other things. Instead, we pray as we search the Scriptures and we pray as we seek wise counsel and we pray as we act, right? And so this is something that, that, um, that we do continually as 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. All right, next, we search the Scriptures for God's view of work. So if we're asking God a question, then we should expect God to respond. And how does God respond in this age? Right? He doesn't do it through the clouds. He doesn't do it through angels. He does it through His Word. The, the best way that, that God speaks to us is through His Word. So, let's listen to Him. Right? If we're going to ask, we shouldn't just kind of sit on the porch and wait for Him to answer unless we have a, Bi- a Bible with us. Right? So, what does God say about work? And we do a study of the Bible or read some books that, that talk about how God... I mean, better, sometimes we go to the books before we go to the Bible. So, um, I say that, um, just use books with caution. Okay, This is the primary source of our revelation. Books are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, um, so the Scriptures are ideal. But sometimes... Um, there might be a topic that may be too difficult for us to, and we need at least some help to be pointed in the right direction. So, what we should recognize is that work is not a curse. Um, it's not something that, now hard work is a curse, right? Uh, difficult work is a curse. Um, that's what came as a result of sin, but work is not a curse, right? Um, God implored, em, employed um, Adam in the in work in the garden prior to sin coming into the world, right? And, in fact, God is a working God, right? He worked for six days by creating the world, and He rested. And He set up that pattern for us so that we would know that work is a good thing. In fact, God is always working. Even on the day in which He rested, He was still working because He is the one who holds all things together. And so we need to see that God um, God works. I mean, He still works today. He's building up kingdoms and he's tearing others down. He's he's holding all things together with the word of his power. He's bringing people to salvation. He's bringing people to sanctification. God is a working God. And because we are created in his image, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, God expected us to follow him in that way. We have the ability to mimic God to some degree, not to the same degree, but to some degree what he does. And if God works, then we should work. So he says to Adam, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And he tells him to name the animals. He has responsibilities, things that he ought to do. So, God works. He gives the example to Adam to work, to have dominion over, to rule over um, the, the animals and, and the, the land. But of course, with the entrance of sin, all things were corrupted. 
And so, um, so we're, we shouldn't be surprised that our culture now looks at work as a dirty word many times. Obviously, some people make it their idol, but you have these other people who think, you know, they're, they're just living for retirement, you know, with the time when I don't have to work, which is not a reality, right? Those of you who are retired know that you don't stop working when you retire. It's just a different kind of work. Um, but but we need to think about our, our jobs in that way. And so uh, when we think about our jobs, when we think about decisions that we have to make about our jobs, we need to be aware that, that sin is crouching at the door. And and we cannot be naive to think that, that our view of sin, just, you know, what I've been in church my whole life, so, you know, I have a good view of work. We shouldn't have that kind of proud mindset. Instead, we should go to the Scriptures and see what God has to say about work. So, let me give you three things to consider when thinking about a job that, Lord willing, will help you to unmask uh, sin and flee from it, and, and so that you'll look at the institution of work the way God looks at it. And so, hopefully, this filter will get rid of some options that you may be wrestling with when you come to making the decision. First, before considering what you will do, make a re- resolution as to how you will do it. Okay. Again, we, we are thinking, um, and we're going to get to that honoring Christ here in just a second. That's, that's actually part of, um, part of this first one. Yeah, the how before the, how before the what. Um, you know, most, most of the time what we're thinking about is what should I do? Job A, job B, career type A, you know, or career type B. Um, but, but rather, what we should be thinking primarily of is the how. Um, because if we're not doing the how right, the, the what doesn't matter. So if we, don't, if, if we don't consider that we're going to honor Christ no matter what we do, then the what doesn't really matter. That is job type A or job type B. Whether I'm a, a plumber or a professional musician, right? If I'm not going to choose to honor Christ in either of those, then it, those how I choose those things, they matter, but they don't matter as much, right? I mean, I'm not really concerned about God's will in that situation. So, the first thing is that we need to cons- consciously think about honoring Christ in all that we do. That, that we are people who have a mind towards seeking God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom, not our own kingdoms. And I'm not here to build my empire um, in, in whatever work that I'm doing. Instead, my responsibility is to honor Christ, to promote Christ's name, not my own. And, you know, so many people, even Christians sometimes, can base their jobs on the prospect of, you know, being rich, being famous, being powerful, self-fulfillment. And what we need to ask is, are those really Christian motivations? I mean, do, do followers of Christ have at the forefront of their mind their desire to be rich or their desire to be powerful. And and so that's why we need to keep this first one in mind. No matter what I do, no matter which job I choose, my priority is to honor Christ. That is in keeping with the Scriptures. Right? Whether you eat or drink, say, you know, whether you're a plumber or a professional musician, Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Honor Christ. Secondly, plan to work honestly. 
Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Again, we haven't gotten to the actual decision of which one we're going to do, but we can start to lay some foundation or some groundwork for what kind of things we will do no matter which job that we choose. Ephesians 6, verse 6, uh, verse 5, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. So, as a function of our pleasing God, right? Do you see that in um, in verse six? Doing the will of God from the heart with good will, render service as to the Lord. So, so we're doing this to please God, to seek His will in our job. We still haven't chosen which job we're going to do, but what we do know is that when we do it, that we're going to work honestly. Verse 6, not by way of eye service, not just when the boss is looking, but I'm going to be a hard worker uh, continually. I'm going to serve as if Christ is looking over my shoulder, and He is. So do it honestly. Um, We also need to consider how the course that we take leads to our sanctification. So if God... The primary thing that God is doing in my life as a Christian is He's leading me towards greater holiness. If that's the primary thing that He's doing, in order to glorify Himself, He's leading me towards holiness, and He is, then how does my job fit into what God is ultimately doing in my life? Right? How does this job, how does choosing job A over job B actually fit into me glorifying God or growing in holiness. I mean, should not our choices in life contribute to how well they're going to help us in our responsibility to to grow in holiness? Um, I think we'll get into some of this a little bit later, so I don't want to don't want to expand on this and then run out of time. So let's keep moving. Uh, let's think about motivation next. Okay, think about the how. Okay, what I'm going to do, no matter which job I choose, this is how I'm going to work. Now let's think about the motivation behind it. And we're in Ephesians, so let's turn to chapter 4. What is our motivation in, in getting this job? I mean, are we trying to get rich? Are we trying to advance ourselves? Are we trying to find significance? Are we, we trying to, um, to reach self-fulfillment? as the psychologists call us to do. Well, our primary goal ought to be, our primary motivation ought to be to glorify God and cultivate a sanctified life. But are there other reasons? Look at verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good. Then notice this last phrase, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So why should he work? The one who steals needs to stop stealing, right? Stealing is basically, I don't have to work. I'm just going to take so that I don't have to work. 
And what 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 the Holy Spirit is teaching us here is that we no, it's not that we we um, steal. Instead, we actually go into work. We actually do work, and we do it so that we glorify God. Obviously, but but how? One one of the ways that we glorify God is that we have enough to share with those who have need. In other words, we ought to have a motivation to help one another, help other Christians in need. I mean, that's the the Christian ethic. So, if we want to think about it in these terms, that that the primary responsibility that God has for us is for, for us to love Him with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strength, right? And then secondarily, the second commandment is likened to it that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And so our jobs should fit into that, right? That whatever job that we choose, we ought to be able to, in our job, love God and love others with, with what we're doing. Jesus said that there, there is no commandment that are, that are greater than these two. And I wonder how many Christians consider this when they choose a job. I wonder how many ask, you know, how will I be able to love and serve and help others by taking this job? Right? Sometimes people, when thinking about a bigger job or a bigger promotion, they'll say something like, well, you know, if I have more money, then I can give more money to missionaries. But have you ever heard anyone say, I'm taking this promotion and getting this raise for the cheap chief purpose, the primary reason that I'm taking it is so that I can give to missions? I mean, that's a good desire, right? To give to missions and to have enough money to give those who have need. But has anybody that you know ever made that their primary thing? Usually it's just a tag on, right? It's like, well, it'll be nice for me and my family to have more money and I can give to missions. But see, what, what, when we, we think about it biblically, we ought to say, okay, how can this actually accomplish what God's greatest desires are, which are my sanctification and my helping of others. That's how God glorifies Himself through us. But there are other ways to love people, and, and we should consider these when we go to take a job as well. I mean, <clears throat> it could be that it would be unloving for us to take a job or a promotion where it actually requires more work. Uh, for us. And when I say that, I mean more hours. So, should a father of four spend 60 hours a work, week working if he doesn't have to, just in order to get more money? You know, if, if he can make it on less than that, could he? Or, or 70? I mean, I'm not trying to, to put a legalistic standard. What I'm saying is, can't you can you envision a situation in which a person would take a job and it actually would take them away from doing something that would be their responsibility to love, right? Maybe spending time with family, maybe spending time with church. And so when we go to make these decisions, we need to to think about them um, in those terms. How is this going to affect, not just how is this going to affect the bottom line, it's going to make things a lot less stressful at home type thing, but, but how is it going to affect my ability to fulfill my other responsibilities as a, and then fill in the blank for your responsibilities, church member, husband, you know, child, uh, um, husband, uh, uh, father, whatever, whatever the case. How can I be loving and, and take this job at the same time? How can this actually help me in my ability to love? And then thirdly, 
and I don't. Oh yes, I do have this. I'm gonna say I don't have this on your handout, but I do. Um, eternal va value. So honestly, evaluate your choice before God. So once all of the confusion and the dross is removed from all the, you know, sometimes we make decisions. There's so many variables involved, and it's so hard to to narrow it down to what's most important. Let's think about ourselves in terms of me standing before God uh, at the judgment seat of Christ and giving an account for everything that I've done. Once I stand there and the secrets of my hearts are exposed, what, what is it that's, that's going to be revealed about my love for Him and my love for others? So, see, we have eternal values in view. And, and this, again, I think requires that we pray about it. Talk to God. Say, God, you reveal my heart. What is it that I am showing in my decision-making process that's, that shows what's really in my heart? Right? What is it that, that's, that I'm hiding from other people or from you trying to? Right? So we, we need to organize our thoughts that way and, and think God's thoughts after Him. If God... We're able to, you know, as He will at the judgment seat, remove all of the, the, the confusion and to narrow it down to our primary motivations, what would be there? What would be left when we go to take this job? And that's basically um, what I would suggest is just using wisdom in, in going through the decision-making process. You know, we have the tools that we need to make the decisions that we are called to make but, but the question is, are we going to use those tools? Any questions so far or comments? Right on. Yeah. And I had a paper route. I did things that I could still be there to protect them and yeah. you know, raise them. But as they got older, I noticed then I started kind of going off the track when I started working for the bank because of the way, you know, they, they want you to work till 7 o'clock at night. They, you know, when I was a manager, I'd be there at 8 in the morning, work till 7 or 8 at night. I, I kind of lost my way there. Hmm. And then when I left the bank and started getting into these other industries, the Lord convicted me to say, you don't need to work all these hours. You can let something go and work less hours. Because unrealistically, I thought teenagers didn't need me as much and they needed me more. You know, and yeah. when I got this job with the Christian company, which blew my mind, I realized that working all those hours did no glory to God. You know, it, it needed to be for the help of others and yeah. that type of things. And that environment helped me do that too. You know, yeah. Being around other Christians to kind of promote that. Yeah. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that the, you know, the long hours at the bank necessarily gave no glory to God, but um, I, I mean, I see where where you're going with that. I see the point. I mean, we, you still have responsibility. Like you could have just up your head and say, I'm not going to do anything yeah. then. Well, then obviously that would be not glorifying to God. So what you were doing was actually you were 
bringing home money that would help provide for your family's needs, which was your responsibility and you were fulfilling that part of it. But yeah, sometimes in our jobs we can it, it can become our life and then we can miss out on what you know, some of these responsibilities that we have at home. So all of that requires a lot of discernment and, you know, obviously it took you some time to think through some of those things and pray about them and, you know, talk to other people who who are wise and and yeah. Yeah. So, but but again, you know, when we're thinking about them in those terms, like, okay, I I ultimately want to glorify God. Well, what does that mean? Well, I I know that He's working in me to sanctify me, to make me more holy, and to use me to influence others, and to to help them when they're in need. So, how can I make sure that I have a job that will help do that? So, whether that be you know a mom at home um, with the kids. And the, you know the dad's able to work, or whether that be, you know, person going out to a job that's that's at a an, a reasonable hour that where they could be home when the kids are home, um, all that kind of thing requires discernment, and I think it does change as the kids get older, and you know that some of those uh, variables have to be reevaluated. So we, so even though I think you bring up a good point, even though that you know we we may not be in the position right now where we're choosing job A versus job B, it, it, it is good for us to just reflect on what we are doing right now. And and is my job something that is contributing to what God has, what I know God has called me to, you know, which is sanctification, helping others, you know, loving others and, and leading them to, to godliness as well. Well, let's think about some misconce- misconceptions about what is important when choosing jobs. And we've touched on a couple of these but I want to talk about them in a little bit more detail. First, pursuit of status. Um, our society teaches us that, that we find our place in society based on our jobs. So, you know, in our society, a lawyer is more important than, than a garbage man. That's what we're taught, right? So, we're, we're ta- taught to find our identity in what we do. So, I'm Fred the doctor. I mean, is that really... What makes up Fred? Is that really what determines Fred's identity, his job? And what we need to consider is that that, that is not what makes up our identity. That, that whatever your occupation is, you are a Christian first. You're not a, a doctor who just happens to be a Christian. You know, I'm different than these other doctors. That, that's true that you are also a Christian, but you're actually a Christian who happens to be a doctor. Okay? One thing is going to last forever. And, and that is that, that you will be a follower of Christ. And so we need to recognize that the per- pursuit of status, you know, whether you're a, you're a garbage man or a doctor, doesn't matter that, to your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And your relationship is, is primarily with Him. It's not with um, what, what kind of job you have. Secondly, job satisfaction. Again, our society has trained us into, in, in this way, being less than biblical when we think about our job, that we're told that we must enjoy our job and, and be satisfied with what we do. And, and is that really a must? I mean, do, do the Scriptures require us to... to at, let me make this clear here. That the primary thing about our job is that we're satisfied with it. Right? 
I fear that, that, that this is the dominant motivation for many people when they choose a job or a career. And let me explain why it sounds innocent, right? Finding satisfaction in our job is seriously flawed. First, it won't work, right? Can, can anyone really find ultimate satisfaction in their job? No. I mean, everyone's going to have good days and bad days. Everyone's going to have successes and failures. And the, the expectation that we set, the level of expectation that we have for our job, we're never going to meet up to that. In fact, we saw that in Ecclesiastes, right? When, when Solomon's saying, listen, you know, I tried to find satisfaction in this and I find it, tried to find it in all my work. And again, we, we thought of him in, in terms of what he was doing. He was the king. And he was bringing nations together and, and he, was, he was building up and, and employing people and so on. And yet he said, I still didn't find satisfaction in all that. And the point is that when he got his eyes off of what was most important, he missed. He, he tried to find satisfaction in other things. And, and what we need to recognize is that, letter B, satisfaction is found only in Christ. Right? I mean, think about it in terms of occupations, right? Let's go back to the doctor and the garbage man. Is a doctor really more fulfilled in life than a garbage man? Well, it depends. You know, if one of them is a Christian and one is not, then then one of them is more fulfilled. But but just by nature of their identity or what they do doesn't doesn't determine whether they're satisfied. Satisfaction ultimately comes in Christ, and our job is simply a way in which we glorify God. It's just now the reason I said we can't find, make satisfaction the primary thing is because satisfaction in our job ought to be something we look at, right? Um, because we don't want to be grumbling and complaining all day. Um, and we do want to enjoy the work that God has given to us, but it shouldn't be the primary thing. Letter C, the, the, this motive is subtly selfish. To say, I'm seeking a job that makes me happy is inherently selfish because remember, what, what was our primary purpose in seeking a job is to, to get ourselves in line with what God is doing with us, which is to make us holy and to give us the ability to help serve others. So we put them first, even at the expense of our own feelings, do you see? So when I say, I want my feeling, I want to feel good about my job, then what I'm focusing on is not how can I serve God to serve others, now, here's, here's the great part, is when we make that our priority, serving God, serving others, then we actually do find satisfaction in what we do. Um, but if we don't, if we put those to the side and we try to find satisfaction in our work apart from those things, then we will be far from satisfied. Let's turn to John 15. So again, it's, it's good to have a desire to enjoy your work. I'm not saying, you know, try to find something that's the most painful that you can possibly find. And um, It's good to find enjoyment in your work. But what I'm critiquing or criticizing is um, making that the driving force, making that the primary thing that we're concerned about. Instead, we need to 
Let our satisfaction be found in, in serving God by loving others. Because Christ is the ultimate satisfaction. Look at John 15. And so, would someone read verses 10 through 12? So, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy, <clears throat> excuse me, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So, where does our joy come from? It comes from Christ, specifically what? Abiding in Christ, right? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay, so, alright, so if I put myself in a place where I'm obeying Christ, abiding in Christ, then I will have joy and I will have it to the full. And notice what the next commandment is there in verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. So in verse 10 he said, if you abide in my command, if you follow my commandments, then, verse 11, you'll have joy. Well, what is the commandment? Specifically in this text, it is to love one another. So, so if we want to find satisfaction in our jobs then we need to think hard and long about what our primary responsibility is in our jobs. And it's, it's something that's outside of our job. right? It's something that we're called to outside of our job, and that is to love others. So how can I, in this job that I'm about to choose, how can I make sure that I'm loving my boss, that I'm loving the people that I'm working with? You know, not, you know what, that's your job. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but, but willing to serve, right? The greatest among us will be the, the, the servant of all. Um, how can I make sure that I'm serving my family, loving my family in this? How can I make sure that I'm loving my church in taking this job? Those are the types of questions that we ought to be thinking about. Not, you know, am I primarily happy? Okay? And again, happiness is good to, to seek as long as we're doing it. Um, not as our main driving force. Seek God's pleasure first and and then um, God lovingly allows us to be to take pleasure in the things that we do. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. A third misconception is about power, right? That, that we use our jobs to get and establish some sort of power over others. I mean, we look at people who have PhDs or, or, or that are CEOs of a company, and we might think, you know, what a great position. But but you know what happens to PhDs and senators and CEOs? They all die in the end, right? Just like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, no matter if you're rich or poor, in the end, every one of us dies. And really, any power that they have or perceived power that they have comes from God. John 19.11, remember when, when Pilate saying, um, you know, you you wouldn't be in this position or he's talking about his authority, and Jesus says, listen, you would have no authority if it didn't come from me. It didn't come from my Father in heaven. It was given from above. The the man, Pilate, who had the power to even kill Jesus, 
Jesus was saying that power is derived power. It's derived from God. Only God grants that kind of power. So, um, true power is not in a position or how, how many levels we are up in the company. The true power is in um, the, the gospel and, and in Jesus Christ and in the unity that we have with Him. Fourthly, money. Two misconceptions about money. One's pretty easy. Um, money will solve all your problems. Wrong. It's not going to solve all your problems. That's why Paul says the love of all money is the root. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some, while desiring to get rich, they fell into a snare and the harmful lusts and they turned away from the faith. So the love of money is actually dangerous and it will not solve our problems. So we cannot love our money. We cannot love the pursuit of money. Instead, we should love God and love people. So that's pretty easy. second misconception about money is a little bit trickier, but, but I think we should still consider it. And is this. This is a misconception. All money is evil and no one should make plans according to the amount of money that they have or could earn. All money is evil and no one should make plans accordingly. I mean, this is unnecessarily foolish. This is a misconception because here's what happens when we take the pendulum approach to loving money, right? We, don't, we know we can't love money, so over here, all money is evil. And that's not what the Scriptures teach either. And so we should consider what... what how does God use money? How does God um, encourage us to, to earn money? Um, so, for example, as, a, as the father and, and the husband of my household, I have a responsibility to care for my family. So, money is a great tool to help care for my family, right? It helps to make sure that we have a house that we can live in and uh, vehicles to get from one place to the other. And, you know, in our case, education for our kids in, in a Christian school and so on. So money is actually a great tool. If I didn't have money, I couldn't do those things, right, without conniving or stealing. Um, and so we got, we got to avoid both of those extremes. Recognize that while the love of money of is evil, money itself is not evil. And so there's this middle ground that where we can actually use money for the purposes of accomplishing God's purposes. Alright, so we pray and then we search the Scriptures while praying, while continuing to pray. And then thirdly, we seek wise counsel. Um, there are often times, and I've mentioned this before for myself, but I'm sure you know it as well, where you are thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking on a topic and you you take it to someone else who is wise and you lay out the best you can what's going on and somehow they're able to, to see something that you didn't see, right? And, and they're able to, to um, provide some wisdom where you were kind of ignoring that area. Maybe you were focusing on, you know, I need to make sure that this is... Um, this is satisfying to me and, and I can't get past that this job is not going to be satisfying me and the counselor comes along and says, you know what, is that really the priority here? I mean, 
yes, you do want to be happy. You don't want to be going through life grumpy, but but that's what often can happen with um, seeking counsel. And obviously, the Proverbs commend um, commend uh, wise counselors and commend us to go to wise counselors. Right? Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, "A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out." So we have all these competing motivations that we don't even understand, but then we come along and we sit down with someone who knows the Word of God and can help draw out what really is in our heart. What are, what are the driving motivations based on the kinds of choices that we make? And so uh, what I would recommend is uh, just start building relationships here at this church with people who are wise, right? Um, so that when it's time, it's not an awkward situation where you're talking to them about um, deep motivations and deep struggles that, that are going on. Instead, you know, you've already built a, a, some kind of rapport with that person and you're able to ask for advice. You know, you, you've probably been in the situation where you've had to ask a stranger for advice and it doesn't seem right. You know, there's something that doesn't quite fit with that. So it's best to do it with someone who knows you and who you know and so seek wise counsel. And then, number four, act by applying the mind of Christ. So act by applying the mind of Christ. So, you're, you know, sometimes we go to counselors and we think, okay, well, maybe they'll make the decision for me. They're not going to do that. Okay, a wise one won't. But, but instead, what they should do is help you to, to lay out kind of what we've been looking at, some of the main things that are that ought to be in view as you're thinking about this decision. And as you do, um, then you have to make a choice. I mean, you have to choose, okay, here's the pros and cons of this one. Here's the pros and cons of this one. Are my priorities in keeping with God's priorities? Right? I, I've been praying about it. I've been searching the Scripture to see what God's priority is. He didn't tell me, you know, if I should choose job A or job B in the Scriptures, but He has given me all all that he wants me to know about my job choice. right? He's given me everything that I need for life and godliness. And so now I simply use the wisdom that I have been working through, recognizing that, you know, at the same time, depending on God, and then we're free to, to make a choice. And then take confidence in that choice that, that you know what, I have been seeking God in this whole process. I'm not choosing rashly. I'm not just going out there and saying, wow, this looks really great. I'm going to go after it. Instead, I'm saying, God, you are my leader. I am your follower. I'm seeking your face this whole way. And now, after doing all that research and thought and careful um, um, learning from other people, praying, then I'm going to make a choice trusting in God the whole way. So what we're doing here in this decision-making process, whether it's with a job or a house or a location, whatever we're choosing, we're, we're seeking God's will throughout the process. This is what decision-making is all about. It's using the resources that God has given to us. He tells us what's most important, and He's given us all sorts of wisdom. One of the things I would encourage you to do is as you're making a decision that's just so perplexing, go to the Proverbs and just read through the Proverbs. What you're going to find is there are loads of Proverbs on almost every issue that you're going to address. And it will help you to, to think through some things that you might have missed. It's almost like um, 
you know, going to a wise counselor that's inspired by God. Um, so, so do that. Go back to the Proverbs. Cer- certainly still do go to an actual counselor. I'd recommend on, on some of these bigger ones. But, but in the end, you know, God's not going to say, you know what, you got off path A and you ended up on path B. You know, I had a better plan for your life. At the end, he's not going to do that. Instead, he's going to say, were you faithful? Right? Were, were you faithful? Were you seeking my desires over yours? He, he's going to mark us as faithful or unfaithful. Let's go to the choices. Not, did you choose this job over that job, primarily? I mean, because we can be faithful in both jobs, assuming that they are um, not jobs that would be sinful inherently, like dealing drugs or something like that. All right. Any brief thoughts or questions? I've gone long, so that's why I say brief. Not that I want to hear from you. All right. Well, next week we'll finish up, and um, and then we'll move on to. I think we're moving on to um, how to study the Bible. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness, as Peter has taught us. Um, that we have what we need in order to make these choices, and and um, sometimes we overcomplicate them, uh, overcomplicate them by looking to other means than what you have given. And so, please help us to to seek your leading. May the Spirit guide us in our choices as we seek to um, do your will. We want to grow in godliness. We want to. Uh, love you and love others in the process. So help us to do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.